care for one another and, and look out for uh, one another. And actually, the opposite to that would be to, to hate one another or to bring each other down. And she was talking about, you know, let's not be people that gossip, but actually let's look for in our conversations to be building one another up. And then um, last week, Paul spoke about how we can be encouraged because of everything we have in Christ. Uh, our sins have been forgiven. We can stand against uh, sin. Uh, we can call God our Father, which is brilliant, and we've been talking about that a lot today. Um, in fact, most of my preach has already been done, so, so that's good. But, um, you know, we can stand on Christ's righteousness. So the things that, uh, you know, the, the way we know God isn't because of the good things that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. So there's so much to celebrate. And today we've come to the final part. It's 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read it and then I'll pray. So, chap uh, verse 15. Do not love the... W is it right to put it up? One more. There we go. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me pray. Lord God, we want to take your word seriously today. Lord, we know that you love us. You know that you're for us and you want the best for us, Lord God. And so we want to we come to your word and say, we, we bow before what you've got to say to us. And we, we say, Lord, we want to take it on. So I pray that you'd help us do that. Lord, we've got the youth in today with us, Lord. And I want to pray for the youth group, Lord. I want to pray that your spirit would uh, fall upon them even now as I preach, Lord God. And I, I pray the words would bring life to them, Lord God. I pray they would be challenged to live their lives holy and pure, set apart for you. Lord, I thank you for the adventure that you've called us on, Lord God, and I just pray, Lord, that today we'd be inspired again to live it for your glory. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, so um, we've got three verses that we're going to go through, and uh, quite simply, I thought we'd go through um, each verse one at a time. So if we take the next slide. The first um, the first. Verse, verse 15, we're going to look at the external choice. Are we going to be people that love God or love the world? And we have to choose one or the other. The second, um, in the second verse, verse 16, we're going to look at the internal choice or the battle with the flesh. And ex I'll explain what that means. But basically, when you become a Christian, your spirit becomes alive and your spirit wants to go for the things of God but your flesh or your sinful nat nature is still there and that's trying to call you back to the world. And so we're, we're in this kind of battle, the battle of the flesh. And the question is, are you up for the battle? And then in verse 17, we're going to look at the eternal choice. Are you living for your 70, 80 or Manette, you're getting to 90 years? Or have you got an eternal perspective? Are you looking at your life now and saying, how is the way I'm living my life going to affect my eternity and the eternity of those around me. So they're the three things we're going to look at. Just before I start, I should say, the, um, the uh, chapter we're looking at, and I should have opened it beforehand, the chapter we're looking at starts by saying this, I write these things so that you will not sin. 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, who stands in our defense. And so I just want to say, I am going to talk about sin quite a lot, but I don't want you to f- sit there feeling like, like you can't do anything, like overwhelmed by it or condemned by it. Actually, he wrote this stuff so that we don't sin, but when we do, we can come to Jesus and we can ask for forgiveness, okay? So at the end, we'll have an opportunity to pray together. So if you are struggling with sin, and uh, you know, don't feel condemned by it, let's, let's, let's sort it out, amen? amen? Amen. Okay, so verse 15. The Apostle John starts with a command and a statement. The command, do not love the world or the things of the world. The statement, If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now, I don't know if if you noticed, but we've got a problem already because we live in a culture that doesn't like both of these things. First of all, he's broken two rules. First rule he's broken is he's commanded us to do something. And our culture doesn't like to be commanded to do anything. We like to be given certain options, and then we can make our decision based on what we feel best, how we feel best, yeah? But he's broken that command. And the other, the other rule he's broken is he's tried to define who we are. So he's, he said, if you, if you love the world, then you don't love God. And, and for our culture, we're sitting there thinking, who are you, John, to tell me who I love and who I don't love? Who are you to, how do you know what's going in, on in my heart that you can say, well, if you love this, then you don't love that? You don't know who I am. Don't try and define me. Don't try and put me in a box. So already we've got a bit of an issue. So some of you might be thinking, Chris, you're going to have to soften this a little bit, make this a little bit easier to understand. I'm not going to because I agree with John, which is good because I'm preaching, so that's all right. Um, <coughs> I, don't, I, I don't disagree with him because of this, what he means by this term, the world. See, the term the world is used many different ways in the Bible. In fact, John, who wrote this, this particular letter, also wrote the Gospel of John, And in the Gospel of John, what does he say? He says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And now in the letter he's saying, do not love the world. What's that? Is that a contradiction? Well, it means two different things. See, in the Gospel, when he's talking about the world, he's talking about people, men and women. He's talking about humanity. So you could say, for God so loved humanity that he gave his only son. But then in the letter, he's talking about something slightly different. And it it becomes apparent when you read the whole of the letter. He's talking about a kind of a way of thinking, a philosophy or a worldview that says, I can be happy and secure and I can feel like my life has got meaning without needing God. I can do it without him. In fact, if if I listen to these God rules and regulations, it's going to stop me from being everything I can be. And the best example I can think of this is, is Adam and Eve. You see, uh, God creates this wonderful place for Adam and Eve to, leave, to live in. Um, and, you know, it's just glorious. And he says, you can enjoy, it's for your enjoyment. I've built this for your enjoyment. So go and enjoy everything. Enjoy the creation. Enjoy one another. Go forth and multiply. Go and enjoy it. And I, my spirit is here. I am going to be present with you. You can spend time in my, pl- in my presence. The one thing I don't want you to do is f- to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. Because if you do, you'll die. So I don't want you to die. So don't eat from it. 
So Adam and Eve, they start enjoying this, this world that God's created. And then Satan comes to them and says, did God really say that you mustn't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And Eve says, no, he said, you can eat from whatever you want, but just don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And the devil says, <laughs> you won't. No, she, so she says, if we do, we'll die. And he says, you won't die. God just doesn't want you to be like him, knowing good from evil. So then it says, the woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful, lust of the eyes. And its fruit looked delicious, lust of the flesh. And it was useful for gaining wisdom, the pride of life. I want to be like God. So she took it and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her as well. And on that day, Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to love and live for the world instead of loving and living for God. On that day, death and sin entered the world, just as God had said it would. On that day, the world said, we don't need God with his rules and regulations limiting us and telling us what we can and cannot do. We can do it our own way. And on that day, humanity decided that they were going to move further and further away from their Father in heaven and deeper and deeper into self-love and self-appreciation and self-dependence. And as we talked to, as someone mentioned it earlier, God was there saying, I've created everything for these people and I love them, but they've rejected me. They've decided they don't want to have anything to do with me. And so he put into a plan, he put into his, uh, his plan into action. And he sends, eventually he sends Jesus to die on the cross. Why did he die? As a consequence for the sin of mankind. If you eat of this tree, you will surely die. When Jesus died on the cross, he suffered the separation from God that we deserved. And he suffered the death that we deserved. So that we could be adopted back into the family of God. Again, I was worried that I was going to spend all my time crying when, when Tim came up and started talking about being adopted into the family of God. But we've been adopted back into the family of God. So it makes sense when, when John says, don't live for this world. Or you can't live for the world and live for God. Because that's why Jesus died. He died so that we could be adopted back into the family of God. Why would we go back to the world? Why would we do that? Do you know, I was thinking earlier on, I was thinking, I was thinking God has adopted us into the family, into his family. And do you know, he will not let us he won't share custody with us, with anyone else. Okay? God won't say, well, you can spend uh, you know, part of your time, part of your week in the world, and then at the weekend you can come and spend time with me, and I'll look after you for a little while, and then you go back to the world. He won't let it. You've got to make a decision. Are you living for the world, or are you living for God? So that's verse 15. Challenging stuff. Right. Verse 16. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. There's a, there's a little phrase, which I don't know if anyone's ever heard, but it, it goes, God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Have you heard that phrase before? 
been around for a bit. In other words, God doesn't like the things we do wrong, and he doesn't like the kind of attitudes that aren't good, but he loves us as people. And, um, and, th- and to me, that kind of makes sense, except for sometimes it can be hard to dis- kind of distinguish between the sin and the person. And sometimes our sin kind of gets so entangled in us, in who we are, that it's hard to... And people often say stuff like, you know, it's part of who I am. Okay, so when sin uh, is like an object, a thing out there, it's easy to say, well, that's wrong, that's not good, that's not healthy. So you could say, you know, I know greed and envy is wrong because I know God and he's a God who loves to give. He's a generous God. And so greed and envy, and it's kind of contrary to who God is. Or you could say stuff like adultery, sex outside of marriage, pornography. I know that that's wrong because I know God's a covenant God who loves commitment. He loves faithfulness. He loves to, to protect and nurture and look after. And actually, pornography and adultery, it doesn't do any of that. It doesn't protect. It doesn't nurture. It's not faithful. And so I'm not going to do that because I'm not being Christ-like if I live like that. So when, when sin is like an objective thing out there, we can, we can deal with it. The problem is when sin becomes more entangled in us. And this is the point where the, the, the Bible talks about our battle with the flesh in that sense. Okay, so let me, let me give you an example. Um, y- you kind of say, well, I know, let, let me just find my best example, sorry. Um, I know I could be more generous with my money, but there's no way I'm going to spend my hard-earned cash giving it away to the church or giving it away to someone else in need because, because I've worked so hard for it. And I want my kids to enjoy the same things that their friends enjoy. And, and if I spend all my money giving it away, then ha- who knows what's going to happen to me? And so something we know wasn't good, greed, becomes part of who we are. We kind of justify it and soften it. And we don't call it greed anymore. But boom, it's had its effect in us. We've become greedy. Yeah? Or you say, you know, I know bitterness is not a good thing because it, I know it, it damages me. But if you knew the things that that person had done to me, if you knew the pain that they had caused, if you understood the scars that I walk around with every day, you would understand that my bitterness is not so much sin, it's a kind of natural reaction to being sinned against. And so this, this kind of objective thing, we know bitterness is wrong. We've allowed it into our hearts. It's softened. We've justified it to ourselves. And boom, sin's had its effect on us. There's a lady called Melissa uh, Kruger. And she's written a book called, um, uh, what is it? The Envy of Eve. The Envy of Eve. And in it, she talks about, in Christian circles, she says, covetousness is a massive issue in churches. And the reason is, we spend so much time, like uh, Rebecca was talking about the other day, we spend so much time together, we see into each other's lives. We, we, we know about each other's finances, we know e- about each other's uh, families, and, and we kind of, we start looking at each other and saying, well, that's where you're at, that's where I'm at. And, uh, and she says this about covetousness. She says this, usually 
At the heart of this comparison trap is the mistaken belief that another person is getting it all, while we're getting second best. And so what happens with when, we, when we covet stuff is we look and we say, hey, life's easy for them. Everything, everything they've got is good, and it comes easy to them. But everything I've got, I've had to work really hard for. And we start getting cross about their situation. And, and if we're not careful, angry with God as well. God, why are you making their life so easy when my life's so tough? And what we do is we, we kind of take this covetous thing, we bring it into ourselves, we soften it so we don't feel so bad about it, we justify it, and then we start living it out. And it's become part of who we are. And we have to be really careful of it. You know, sometimes people, people say to me, I feel really bad. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian and I struggle with sin. I was talking to Dave Nunn about it the other day and he, he kind of, in his way, he said, I don't think I ever struggled with sin when I, before I was a Christian. It wasn't until I was a Christian that I started struggling with, with sin. And it's true because before you're a Christian, say you're at work and the job is to climb the ladder like if anyone tries to climb faster than you, you trample on them so that they fall down the ladder. I'm talking about the proverbial ladder. Not the <laughs> um, don't, don't, yeah. Um, climb the ladder, yeah? And then make as much money. And if, if you need to cut a few corners, that's fine. Just do that. And that's seen as a good thing. You've done well for the business, okay? When you become a Christian, though, things change because you know, actually, you're living unto the glory of God's you know you're the, the thing you're doing is you are being Christ-like in that place of work. You're demonstrating to people how Christ would live if he was working there. Okay? And so the temptation to climb the ladder and bow to the pressures of cutting corners and stuff, it becomes a struggle in your heart. You don't want to do it, but you're feeling the urge to do it. Okay? Or pornography. Really important one, pornography. Well, before you're a Christian, it is pornography, even if you're, if you're not a Christian, pornography is dangerous, but you think it's not dangerous, it's not a problem. As long as my mum doesn't find out, or my, or my girlfriend doesn't find out, or my wife doesn't find out, and as long as no one's getting hurt, that's the number one rule, isn't it? As long as no one's getting hurt, it's fine. But then when you become a Christian, you realise, do you know what? I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, <laughs> I, I am living unto the glory of God. He, he can see right into my life. Yeah, Integrity matters to God. He cares about that. Actually, I'm, still, I'm struggling now because I, I want, my body wants to do that. My flesh wants to go over and do the things of this world. But my spirit is saying, no, get away as quickly as you can. And suddenly, as a Christian, it's like, I'm struggling. And really, I just wanted to say, if you, are, if you do struggle with sin, and I've tried to give a few different types of sin, and there's loads. Out, you know, <laughs> I, could, I could go on for hours about what it is. Um, but, but if you are struggling with sin, I just want to say, it's kind of a good thing that you're struggling. Because it means your spirit is alive, wanting you to go this way. Okay? And so the question is, are you up for the struggle with sin? And I want to give three very quick um, ideas for how you can uh, kind of cope with um, overcoming the flesh. Number one, repentance. Um, in 1 John 1 verse 9, he says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you our sin, our unrighteousness. 
God, in other words, if you apologize for the things you've done wrong, if you say sorry, he can forgive you because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? A little hint. If you're struggling uh, with, with sin and you want to repent, find someone to repent with. Okay? Um, <coughs> just because it kind of keeps you accountable. And if anyone comes up to you and says, I've, I've been sinning, could, you, could I pray with you and, and I, I want to ask God for forgiveness, you should count it a real honor that they've asked you. They've obviously seen something in you that they trust, they respect, and they feel they can be vulnerable with you. And so, you know, don't lord it over them. Don't be all like, oh, I'm Mr. High and Mighty, okay? Say thank you for being honest and pray with them. And then, if someone's asked you to, to pray with them, you can say at the end, your sins have been forgiven. So that's the first thing, repentance. The second thing, obey his word. <coughs> Adam and Eve decided that they were going to trust the whisper of Satan over God. They said, you know, the devil said, God really say that that will be that bad, that that will harm you? And they believed that rather than the, the kind of command of God. And actually, the Bible is full of such good advice, such good advice. The world says the Bible doesn't understand today's society. I would say today's society doesn't understand today's society. <laughs> They're still trying to work out, how can we do this without God? You can't. Okay, the Bible is the one full of the best advice. So trust the word of God. It's still, it, you know, we might be a two or 2,000 years difference, right, in terms of when it was done. It's all the same stuff. It just looks different. It's just got technology involved. Okay, it's all the same stuff. So um, obey his word. And finally, we need the spirit of God. John, in, in um, 1 John 4, verse 4, he says, He that is in us, if you're, a ho if you're a Christian, you've had the Holy Spirit put in you. <laughs> he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We've got to believe that, haven't we? He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And so it's really important that we, we pray for the Holy Spirit. It says in Galatians, it says, I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Be filled with the Spirit. So if anyone comes to you and says, I need to pray about some sin that I'm in, Make sure you don't let them go before you prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill them, okay? And um, just to say, if there is anyone that says, well, I want, I want to say sorry to God, but the problem is this sin has got a hold of me because that happens, okay? This, I can't, I, I keep trying to get over this problem, but I can't. My suggestion would be to talk to, um, if you're in the youth, talk to one of the leaders, or if, if you're part of the, um, the kind of adult church, find one of the, the elders or, or a senior leader and say to them, look, there's this ongoing sin in my life and I need, I need some help with it, okay? Can I just say, they will treat you with love, dignity and respect. They don't go around telling everyone that person's doing that. They won't, okay? And they'll look to help you and uh, find ways to see you set free from that. So make sure you do that, okay? Uh, even in the last few weeks, I've heard some terrible stories of church leaders that have just lost their way because of unrepentance and because they haven't kind of acknowledged the sin in their life. And uh, it can happen to anyone. So please don't feel like it doesn't happen to anyone. It happens to a lot of people. Okay, so there's, there's the three ways. Repentance, obeying his words, 
and we need the Spirit of God. So that was, um, that was verse 16. Verse 17, nearly finished. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see why I've got the rope now. Um, I've nicked this from, not Jackie Chan, Francis Chan. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, that would be dangerous. A rope, <laughs> Jackie Chan, no, that would be bad. Okay. Um, so this, this rope here, it's not, I should have. I don't know, whenever I'm on the stage, I feel the need to skip rather than... Rather than um, <laughs> this rope here represents eternity, and it, it goes on forever and ever doesn't but imagine it does okay <laughs> and this bit here this lovely taped up bit here this represents our time now our 60 70 83 years that's what this represents and so often all of us <laughs> including Christians spend the majority the vast majority of our time our money our energy thinking about these 70 years and give hardly any thought to eternity. And so we think, oh, uh, you know, often it's like lust. What, what can I get for now? What, what will appease my, my, the lusts of life? What, what can I get now that will bring comfort? Whether it's the even, you know, down to what, what uni shall I get so I can get to the best job, so that I can have a, a good career, which means gives m- give me a good pension you know, and that's what we think about. And we don't spend much time thinking about eternity. What's going to happen after that? But the Bible and the New Testament, all the writers are constantly saying, think about eternity. Jesus is saying, look, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where r- rust and, and moths destroy, but think about heaven. Yeah? Or you, you kind of you go to, to Paul, who's talking about fix your eyes on the things unseen. We're, uh, in, in Hebrews, it talks about we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw everything off that hinders us and run the race of perseverance marked out for us. And the, the, the New Testament is constantly saying, stop looking at today, think about how you're sowing into eternity. And I just wanted to kind of finish by challenging us, really. Imagine if we were a church filled with people that said, I am going to solely live for the glory of God. I'm saying goodbye to the world and its desires. I'm not going to make that my number one priority anymore. I'm going for God. Imagine if we were a church that said, anything that hinders me from coming to God and knowing him better and becoming more like him in his character, I'm getting rid of. And if it means an embarrassing conversation, telling someone that I'm struggling with a particular thing, I'm going to do it because I'm thinking about eternity. Imagine if we were a church that thought to ourselves, in our conversations, how is what I'm saying affecting the potential eternal life of the person I'm speaking to? How you talk to your children, you know, do you live your life day by day? You know, you're just at the dinner ta- table just talking about nonsense. Or sometimes do you think, actually, I'm going to have an eternal conversation with you. I want you to understand the goodness of Jesus and, and how much he loves you and how much he's got in store for you. Your neighbors. Your neighbors. How, how are you doing there? How, are you just having nice garden 
front garden conversations with them. I had a great story, but I haven't got time. Um, but, you know, are you just having a nice stories with them? Or are you thinking, how, how is my conversation going to affect, potentially, their eternal destiny? And imagine if we were a church that were just thinking along those lines, and not just thinking for today, but thinking in eternal ways. We could change this area. We really could. So I'm just uh, I'm laying out the challenge there. Are you someone who loves the world, or are you someone who loves God? Are you up for fighting those temptations and those, those desires of the flesh? Please, if you are, even, even now, respond. Come and say, look, I'm struggling with this particular sin. Will you pray with me? Okay, Let's be up for it. And finally, are you someone who's just thinking about today and about the next day and about the next day? Or are you constantly thinking, how is what I'm doing today going to affect the eternity of both myself and potentially all of those people around? Amen. So that's, that's that. I don't know how to finish. Um, let me pray. And then, uh, and then we can respond. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love for us. Lord, I thank you that you, you don't tell us not to sin to spoil our fun, but actually you tell us not to sin because you've got far, far better things stored up for us. Lord God, I thank you the life that we can have in you. Thank you, Lord. We can call you our Father in heaven. We can walk with you. Lord God, and one day we'll see you face to face and it will be so glorious. It'll be so wonderful. And now, Lord, we're struggling in our bodies and our flesh is saying, I want to go this way. And our, our spirits are saying, no, I want to go for God. I pray, Holy Spirit, we would determine among ourselves to be people that go for God. Lord Jesus, I pray anyone trapped in sin, I pray t from today you would start uh, a work in them to see them set free, Lord God. Lord God, we're so thankful for everything you've done for us and everything you're calling us into. And we just pray, Lord, we would be blessings and glory and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.